This is the Talk of the Town. From Morgantown to Clarksburg, if it's happening, we're talking about it. Call the show toll-free at 1-800-765-8255. Now, here is your host for the Talk of the Town, Dave Wilson. We've done it. We've reached the day after Election Day. Everybody take a big, deep breath. All right. Welcome into the program. It's Talk of the Town. Hope your day's off to a great start. 800-765-8255. 800-765-TALKS. The phone number 304-TALK-304 is the text line. We'll run through election results from last night. And traditionally on this program, day after Election Day, is all about you and the candidates and the supporters. Uh, it's an open line show. Your reactions to yesterday's election results across West Virginia that were dominated by Republicans. Republicans expanding majorities in both the House and the Senate. But, and that is a big but, for Republican-led initiatives, those state constitutional amendments, they are rejected in spectacular fashion yesterday. Try to reconcile those two thoughts, and it might come down to the idea that two things can be true at the same time. I know that is a crazy concept. I'll try to explain that. I brought it up yesterday, and I said, well, let's see how things play out. But it had been something rolling around in the upstairs for a while there that you can have two things be true. You can have voters who support Republican platform or conservative principles, maybe a better way to describe it, or will vote against or or maybe vote against liberal policy or, uh, in this case, Democrats, while wanting to be left alone, while not supporting such dramatic change to the state tax code. That's Those two things can be true at the same time. Just because you vote Republican doesn't necessarily mean you support this initiative. And that may be what we saw play out yesterday. We will find out. Or at least I'll get Brad McElhenney's take on that. I think there's something there. That two things can be true at the same time. It doesn't have to be, they don't have to be tied together. That if you support candidate A or you vote for candidate B, then you have to support every part, the, the party's initiatives there. So we'll dive into that. Tightest race of the night was in the state Senate's 13th district. And honestly, everything kind of played out the way I thought. In that this was the tightest race in the area. And I thought it would be. Two political heavyweights with Mike Oliverio being the Republican candidate, Barbara Evans Fleshauer, the Democrat candidate for the 13th Senate district seat. Both with long histories in the legislature. Now it's been a been a while since Mike has been in the legislature. Obviously, Barbara has been one of the longest serving delegates in the legislature. I thought it would be close, and it was, and it was. And 
Marion County voters really made the difference. Uh, Barbara won Monongalia County. That does not come as a surprise. That is her home county. That is also uh, a much more of a Democrat oasis as compared to the rest of the state. So you thought she would have some advantages there, and she did. But Oliverio kept the vote just close enough in Monongalia County that when the Marion County returns came in, which he where he performed very well uh, when he ran against Bob Beach several years ago, uh, it made the difference. 162 votes. It's close. Very, very close. Monongalia County Commission race, it was close-ish. Sean Secor really kind of held the margin of a you know anywhere between 1,000 and 1,500 votes through most of the night. And, again, when you are the incumbent, you have advantages that the challenger does not. Sometimes your record is a disadvantage. In this case, I think his record as a county commissioner was an advantage for him in that race. Uh, House of Delegates, no surprise, the four incumbents won in Monongalia County. Uh, in those single-member districts, uh, Gino Shirelli, who has been working very hard out on the campaign trail, one in the 78th, and Debbie Warner up in the 82nd district, another Republican, thought that one might be close, and that race was also very close. So everything locally kind of played out the way we I, I think we were all anticipating there. Close races, incumbents have advantages, and that's the way it all kind of worked itself out. Ben Queen wins the 12th Senate district seat in Harrison County, beating uh, libertarian candidate Austin Lynch thought Austin had some good ideas, um, thought he was well-spoken, ran a good campaign. It's just hard to be a third-party candidate. You don't have that backing of a, a major party behind you, and it's tough enough to be a challenger, as I just alluded to a minute ago. It's even tougher to be a challenger when you're that third-party candidate. And you don't have a base of support there. But I thought he ran a good campaign. It was always going to be tough. And Ben Queen has the name recognition. He's been in the House of Delegates. He has been, uh, you know, obviously in the political scene, part of the political scene for several years now. So he wins the 12th District. Charles Clements wins the 2nd Senate District, in uh, which is the western end of Montegay County. I got six counties that extends over to the Ohio River and, and up into the northern panhandle as well. Uh, he wins over there. So those are the major races. Mon EMS levy passes with 65% of the vote. I did not. There was some pushback there, which made me pause because it was going to need 60% to pass. But. Obviously, there wasn't enough pushback to drop it below the 60% threshold. So that excess levy is approved. And Star City voters, I know if you don't live, in, don't live in Star City, it's not really on your radar, but I think it's worth noting that there, this trend of municipalities aligning their elections with state elections continues, and Star City voters last night approved a change to the city charter that will al align the municipal elections there for council and 
whatever else that will line up with the state's primary in May starting in 2024. It's notable because that trend continues. It is more of the rule than the exception these days, especially with larger municipalities. Charleston, the mayor was reelected in Charleston last night, not in the middle of June, not in the middle of April, not in the middle of August. She was elected on Election Day. What a novel concept. So those are a couple of things, a couple of highlights coming out of the election yesterday. Um, anything else I'm leaving out? Those are some of the highlights from yesterday's results. Uh, Brad McElhenney going to stop by in just a moment. We'll talk to Brad. All four amendments go down, but Republicans pick up seats in the Senate and in the House. What does it all mean? Maybe it, maybe we're overthinking all of it. That's very possible. Open lines as well. Uh, opportunities for candidates to thank their supporters. Opportunities for you to weigh in. What did you make of the results last night? Were you surprised all four of the amendments failed? I was not. I was late to that party, though. There were others who were predicting it a couple of weeks ago. In fact, I had a delegate last night tell me that three weeks ago he knew this was coming. I was late to that party when I finally said, yeah, all four of these are going to fail. But they did in spectacular fashion. We'll talk to Brad McElhinney about that. Open lines today. It's all about you and your thoughts on the election. Text me at 304-TALK-304. Call me, 800-765-8255, 800-765-TALK. It's 9-15, almost 9-16, day after Election Day. Brad McElhinney after this. Join the conversation at 1-800-765-8255. This is the Talk of the Town. So the TVs are still on uh, the cable news networks from last night. So right now in my studio, I've got Fox, MSNBC, and CNN. And I just say the way they write their uh, headlines on that bottom scroll are, are very very different. Let's bring in Metro News statewide correspondent Brad McElhenney. Hey, Brad. Oh, hello, Dave. Um, so the red wave happened in West Virginia. Yes, yes, that wave kind of rippled around the rest of the country. But uh, what do you make of this? Brad, when you started covering politics, I don't want to age you here, but was Donna Boley the only Republican in the state Senate? Do you go back that far? Indeed, sir. The, uh, the mighty Republican Donna Boley, who stood her ground on her own. And, you know, Democrats were, were split among more conservative Democrats and then more progressive Democrats. But nevertheless, they were the dominant party. And someone looking at it and, and thinking, boy, you know, I like checks and balances. I, I like a balance of power. You might have thought during that era uh, it would be great if the Republicans were stronger and more competitive. And that lasted, what, about six months, about a year? <laughs> and now we're to the point where you think, boy, it would be good, probably, and healthy if Democrats were more competitive. 
So have we just has it just flipped the script now? Now Republicans have that super majority with I mean it's I guess it's almost a super duper majority. I don't know if that's a technical term or not, but eighty eight seats in the House, thirty seats in the Senate, and and now Republicans run the gamut from very very conservative to more uh, more centrist, kind of like kind of like the Democrats were, you know, back in the day. Brad, is that a fair statement? Yeah, and that's one thing that interests me is what what shape everybody gets together in the Senate. Where are they actually going to be on policy? Because I, I, again, you've seen evidence the last couple of years that majority has been stratified they had a hard time determining where to land on their own redistricting uh had a hard time determining what the specific policies within an overall abortion policy should be and, and that was before all of this uh you know i i am sure what the republicans in the senate are celebrating this morning uh so it's a little bit ironic that we're now talking about what the problems are but you know running the water through and trying to figure out, well, what is the dominant faction within the Senate Republicans? I, I think it's going to be interesting indeed. Talking to mention new statewide correspondent Brad McElhenney. Help me reconcile this, Brad. Republicans increase majorities in both houses at the state legislature. All four Republican-led and backed initiatives fail as state constitutional amendments. How can both things be true? I, I am puzzling over it. Uh, one thing, obviously, I think is the influence of the governor, and he was the most influential, had the most resources at his disposal. He is the, the single individual in, in West Virginia that, that people really listen to. And, and so I think that was really a major factor. But the other, I, I think, is that, you know, the, the rest of your ballot is human beings. Mm-hmm. And you probably know your representative or respect your representative or, you know, maybe your representative drives you crazy. But but, but there is a relationship with, with the other humans on the ballot. On the other hand, these, these amendments are sort of abstract concepts. And, you know, it boils down, I think, to something we've talked about before. It appears that a lot of people made the judgment that although they like their representative, perhaps, they were not willing to give the larger bodies greater power. You know, they, they, they just said no on the abstract concepts. And the governor the governor honed in on that. Don't trust Charleston. And that won the day. I'll tell Brett, I believe we're overthinking it because guys like you and me and Hoppy and, and Jenkins were, were so deep into it. I've come to one of two conclusions. Maybe this is overthinking it is that there was so much talk about Amendment 2. And I think Amendment 2 drove all four. I think that's I don't, I, I think that's a fair statement. But there was so much talk, and you had the governor saying, Amendment 2 is going to do this. Amendment 2 is going to take money away from your schools, away from your police. And then you had, uh, you know, Senate President to Craig Blair and Eric Tarr and, you know, the chamber and supporters saying, no, 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 we have a plan and counties are going to make more money. And we're, everything's going to be funded. In fact, it's going to be funded more than what it is now for the average voter, the man and woman that have to get up, go to work, get the kids to school. They've got football practice. They've got soccer practice. they got things to do. They heard all that noise and went, I don't know, blanket, I'm not going to vote for it. Because there was so much noise and so much confusion, 
when people get confused, I don't think they're apt to support something they don't understand. And I think it comes down to the simplest explanation is they didn't understand it and they weren't going to support something they didn't understand. That's yeah, pure, that's kind of where I've landed on that. I don't think there's any great mandate. Uh, I don't. I think you're reading, not you, but if you are reading into this, that there's some great mandate from the voters. I don't think it's there. I don't think there was real clear communication about what the amendment actually would do. That's just my thought. Yeah, yeah but I, I think the governor had a simple message, which was, "Don't trust Charleston." That was the thrust of it, and. The message for those who support it either was, all right, you, this is the path to get your, your car tax taken away, or that, that sort of complicated shifting of funds. Mm-hmm. All right, we're not going to have personal property taxes funding the counties anymore. That will take it away from them. However, we're going to use the general fund to make it up to them. You know, it winds up being a five-step plan, and it's difficult to explain. And all of the noise added up, I think, and and – I wouldn't be surprised if people were just frustrated and said no. Um, talking to mention new statewide correspondent Brad McElhenney. There's part of me also, Brad, that believes this, that two things can be true. I know, crazy concept, right? But that you can, that voters, and obviously a majority of voters in West Virginia, um, support conservative principles, support Republican candidates, but at the same time they aren't, calling for this massive change and just kind of want things to be left alone and want things to be normal. And and maybe maybe that's the underlying current that we're all missing. I Just a thought. Just a thought. Who knows? Yeah, you know, one thing that surprised me is the margin. I, I really thought that with, with voter turnout being fairly low, that that one way or another, these amendments would be squeakers. And the amendment, too, was just dominant against. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're showing 310,000 votes against compared to 167,000 votes for. Uh, then, as you said, that brought down the other amendments. Amendment 3 ain't done nothing to nobody, but <laughs> people, people said no. That, to remind everybody, that was the one that said churches can incorporate. Uh, you know, and I, I mean, it... it it really was a wave election in terms of Republican elected representatives in West Virginia. But, you know, if you think about what the individual voter has to do, I'm not picking statewide in those races. I'm, I'm picking yeah. my person. And, and so, again, I, I think, as you said, it's, it's not necessarily uh, a groundswell from the individual voter's perspective. It's I've picked this one voter and, and many West Virginians picked the same way. I am curious what direction we go now, Brad, if I mean, do we revisit the property tax or as a as a legislature, do they now move on and go, OK, well, let's let's tackle income tax. Let, let's let's approach this from a different angle, because remember, we, we've got this huge surplus that was going to help fund, uh, you know, the elimination of the property tax. Now, what do you do with that huge surplus? I don't have answers to any of these questions, Brad, and I doubt you do in the next uh, 20 seconds either. No, I don't either. Um, You know, I do think that there has been existing support for the income tax cuts, which don't require a constitutional amendment. And so you might get there on on an issue like that. But, boy, I mean, bridges have been burned. Um, The governor did not sound conciliatory at all toward his state senate counterparts and i i haven't heard them being 
you know, coming to the table at the hand and saying, oh, the governor was right. That that has certainly not happened. And I, I just wonder going forward if they'll really be able to work together. Well, we'll find out in, what, about two months, two and a half months? <laughs> I guess we'll see. Uh, when the legislature gavels in in uh, in January. Mention new statewide correspondent Brad McElhenney. I guess we have to go back to covering regular news today, Brad. I have a sentencing hearing for the Tobies in federal court, the nuclear oh. submarine espionage people. So it's kind of a welcome change, to be honest. Nuclear espionage, <laughs> espionage instead of uh, the meat and potatoes politics. Mention new statewide correspondent Brad McElhenney. You can read his stories over at the website, uh, wvmetronews.com. Dot com. How late were you up last night, Brad? Were you burning the midnight oil uh, or early night for you? It was it was close to 1 a.m., and my trouble was I, I cleared the decks on our stuff, West Virginia stuff, but so much still is hanging nationally. It's, you know, it's edgier seat time. Yeah, I was trying to catch up on that this morning, and I, uh, <laughs> I went, I'm going to concede that to Hoppy and let him deal with that on talk line today. <laughs> I'll stick to the local you know, the stuff. Way it's going, it can still be there tomorrow or the next day. <laughs> you got that right. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it, buddy. Great work as always. Thanks, Dave. Mention new statewide correspondent Brad McElhenney. I know it's a lot of speculation, and it's not as though we have a ton of polling data sitting out there to go, well, according to our numbers, West Virginians aren't thinking this. I'm just trying to think about it, uh, you know, from from my friends, from, you know, the questions my wife was asking me, the questions my friends were asking me about these amendments. I'm in way too deep. And I do think it boils down to probably a combination of those two things that many voters looked at those initiatives and went, well, the governor said this. They said that. I don't know. I'm voting no because we're more apt to do that. We're more apt to vote against something than for it. There is data that supports that. That's why negative ads work. The NEA poured a bunch of money in, again, that that added to the noise around Amendment 2. Voters go to the polls and just said, I'm not voting for any of them. There's also an element, and, and I think this is a factor, that there is a there is some sense of people wanting normalcy normal candidates they're not looking for dramatic social change they're not looking for dramatic change in the tax structure yes we would all like some tax breaks but we all want the schools funded right is that a fair statement so you can support a party or vote for particular candidates but that is not an indication you want huge dramatic change to the way things are done Again, I got no data to back me up on that. That is a that is a gut feeling based on observation. All right, open lines for the rest of the show. Want to hear from you, your thoughts on yesterday. Um, you happy, sad, satisfied, surprised? Let me know. 800-765-TALK or 304-TALK-304. That's the phone number. That's the text line. Candidates, you're welcome to call in as well. Uh Thank your supporters, whatever. It's open lines the day after the election. It's all about you today. 800-765-TALK and 304-TALK-304. Yes, I blew through the news break. Got to take a quick break. We're back in a moment.
Now back to the talk of the town. Phone lines are open at 800-765-8255 and 304-TALK-304. We'll get to some of your texts coming up. Candidates, welcome to call. Win, lose, or draw. Opportunity to thank all of your supporters. You can text me your thoughts on the election. You surprised? You disappointed? You pleased? Were you uh, not interested at all? That's possible. That's very possible. And I would understand. 800-765-TALK, 800-765-8255. Voter turnout, by the way, statewide was 43, was just a tick under 43, tick over 43%. Um, I can't remember, but I think Ethan owes me buckwheat cakes on the uh, voter turnout, on the voter turnout bet. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Let's go to the phones, 800-765-TALKS, the phone number, 800-765-8255. Austin Lynch was the Libertarian candidate running for state Senate in the 12th District. He joins us this morning. Good morning, Austin. Morning, Dave. Uh, You were running against Ben Queen and uh, the Republican there in the 12th District. Ben Queen uh, ultimately wins the seat. But uh, how was your – this was your first run for office, correct? Well, I'm on uh, Stonewood City Council in Harrison. County, okay, but, okay. but uh, statewide that office. Compared, that compared to uh, to state senate's uh, <laughs> quite a bit different. So. Uh, what was the experience like for you? You know, it, it was honestly a, a wonderful experience. Um, I enjoyed it. My wife enjoyed it. Uh, my little girls enjoyed some of it, but they were definitely ready for dad to to be back <laughs> home in the evenings. Um, so uh, it, it, we met so many great people along the way. Um, traveling between the counties and uh um you know i i was just looking over even some of the numbers if every single libertarian in the in the district would have shown up to vote that would have been i believe 478 votes mm-hmm. <laughs> we we received nearly nine thousand votes yeah and uh i'm just so proud of our team um they worked so hard we worked so hard we raised more money than we ever thought we could raise and we're able to do more than we thought we could do um so i'm just uh i'm super proud of of what we accomplished and uh, and proud of the campaign we ran uh, and you knew this austin that uh being a third party candidate's tough you, you, when i interviewed you a couple of weeks ago you mentioned this you don't have that backing from you know the, the republicans you don't have that backing for the democrats you got to get your own groundswell of support and and you knew it was going to be a tough race but uh, personally, I thought that was a good showing against a, a strong Republican candidate. Yeah, you know, we do that going into it. Um, for us, a lot of it was a matter of principle. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, nobody should be a, uh, a state senator or a delegate just because no one would run against them. Um, and so uh, we just kind of saw that opportunity and uh, said we want to make sure that people have a choice. And uh, again, I, I'm just I'm blown away that nearly 9,000 people were willing to say, um, I want to vote for this, for this random libertarian. And, and so I'm just so thankful for, for those people that were willing to do that and, uh, and those people that were willing to help out along the way. Let, let me get your opinion on this, Austin. I was floating this idea. I've been floating a lot of ideas trying to make all this kind of work in my head. The fact that um, you have this increase expansion of Republican seats in both houses. So there, there is certainly in West Virginia, I think a fair statement, support for conservative principles, um, a shift away from the left. But I think at the same time, a lot of folks also, and I think this is reflected in the amendment somewhat, just want to be left alone 
aren't clamoring for major shifts in policy. And that, I think, Austin, you can tell me better, that seems more like a libertarian sort of mindset. What What's your thought? You know, and I, I told so many people this on the campaign trail that uh, most West Virginians, I'm not saying they're libertarians, but they have a lot of libertarian leanings. Mm-hmm. Um, there is this idea that, uh, you know, we don't want all of this government intervention. We just want the government to leave us alone. We want to be able to live our lives. We want to be able to run our businesses. Uh, we want to be able to uh, raise our children without the government constantly trying to interfere with that. And, uh, I mean, those are just basic libertarian principles. And uh, and I find that most West Virginians, they they agree with that. Um, and even, uh, you know, so, uh, again, I'm a pastor, and, and we were looking at, at Amendment 3, uh, specifically with churches. And I heard a lot of people talking about that, and they just simply, they wanted to vote no on it because it mentioned the church. Hmm. And they said the government has no reason to ever mention the church in anything. <laughs> So, I mean, uh, whether they understood how the whole concept huh. worked uh, yeah. or not with Amendment 3, it was just a matter that the church was mentioned and that the the church was going to be mentioned in a constitutional amendment. And they said the government has no place in that. So, um, yeah, I think there is this overwhelming sense within West Virginia that people want to be left alone. They want to be able to live their lives. Austin Lynch, he's the Libertarian candidate, ran in the uh, state Senate 12th district race. Austin, uh Good job. I appreciate you calling in this morning, and um, I will not be surprised if we hear from you again, buddy. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Dave. Have a great day. Absolutely. Austin Lynch there. Let me get Jeff, and then i uh, got to take a break. We'll get Mike Oliverio on the program here in just a moment. But uh, Jeff in Fairmont, good morning, sir. How you doing? Hey, buddy. I'm doing great. What's on your mind? Well, just about the amendments and what it means for the Republicans and Honestly, it was obviously a big day for Republicans in West Virginia. As far as the amendments, honestly, there was a lot of ads and a lot of energy for every, for you know, voting no on, on the only amendments I heard about. I didn't even understand the uh, church amendment thing, the incorporation. Mm-hmm. I didn't vote yes or no on that. There just wasn't a lot of energy. It was easy to vote them down because the only thing anybody heard about on their ads and, of course, from the governor, a very popular governor, mm-hmm. you know, uh, saying vote no on Amendment 2. I mean, he's a really popular governor, but uh, Governor Justice is very popular in West Virginia. Most people approve of him. Yeah. So the fact that they were voted down, I don't think that's anything for the Republicans. They could still go to, you know, they could still go do their jobs and push these things through if they really, they've got a majority. They can make it happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Two things can be true at the same time. Hey, Jeff, I got to take a break, but uh, appreciate the phone call. Appreciate the thoughts this morning, buddy. All right, buddy. Appreciate it. Uh, 800-765-TALKS, the phone number. Let me squeeze in a break. Mike Oliverio is on the line. Uh, Got that narrow victory in the 13th Senate District. We'll talk to him next. 942, back in a moment. We're talking about your town. Now back to the talk of the town. 800-765-TALKS, the phone number, 304-TALK, 304 is the text line. I got a slew of texts to get through. Ethan, uh, our producer this morning, by the way, Ethan, I cannot see who's over on, uh, whoever's on line one there. If you can uh, check that for me. Let's bring in Mike Oliverio, Republican, won the seat in the state Senate uh, 13th district 
last night, uh, at least by 162 votes. Very, very tight race there. Mike joins us. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Dave. Good morning to your listeners, and thank them for uh, uh, their support last night. How are you feeling? You and I talked last night during election coverage, and you told me that if you could keep Montegalia County uh, within a 2,000-vote margin, you felt pretty good. You, you kept it within 1,800, and uh, Marion County brought you across the finish line. Right. This was a, this was a very difficult race. You have to understand, this Senate seat, they've been, they've been voting on this Senate seat for 60 years. So for 30 elections, every two years, there's been this seat on the ballot. And 29 out of those 30 races went to the Democrats. So you have to be almost crazy to run as a Republican when you know 29 out of the last 30 times the Democrat won. But I felt strongly that people wanted some change. I wanted desperately to serve my community where I was born and raised. And we went ahead and took the chance. And uh, uh, we knew that winning Montague County with the Democrat to Republican ratio would probably be impossible. So we just calculated uh, how close we needed to stay in Montegalia and then make up the difference in Marion. And uh, that's exactly how it played out. I, I, I like to ask this question the day after the election or right after the election. There's so much buildup, and, you, and you've really got to reach your supporters. Now you got to represent everybody, Mike. So uh, how do you do that? How do you represent everybody in Mon County, not just the folks who supported you? Well, that's, that's where 16 years of experience of having been the senator here comes into play. While I served, I always, you know, tried to return every phone call, followed up, attended functions, tried to learn everything I could. I always said Montague County's a great county to represent because somewhere in Montague County, you have an expert on every issue that comes before the legislature, whether it's a professor, whether it's a small business, whatever the issue is, there's somebody in Montague County that usually knows more about it than anybody else in West Virginia. So it's it's a great resource. It's almost like you have a reference staff uh, in Mon County helping you represent your constituents. He's uh, Mike Oliverio winning in the 13th district over Democrat Barbara Evans Fleshauer. Mike, I'm tied on time. Appreciate you calling in this morning. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Okay. Hey, we look forward to it again. I want to thank everybody that took time to vote. Those that voted for me, we want to thank. And those that voted otherwise, please know I'm going to work very hard to be your representative in, in Charleston and, and support this community and help it grow. All right, Mike, appreciate it, buddy. Thanks so much. Thank you. Mike Oliverio there winning in the state Senate 12th district, or excuse me, 13th district. Ben Queen won the 12th. Uh, Gino Shirelli, a newcomer to the House of Delegates race, wins in Montague County's, uh, what was it, 78th district. Uh, the Republican picking up the seat in that district. He joins us. Morning, Gino. Good morning, Dave. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you feeling today? Pretty good. I woke up and I was still the winner, so it wasn't <laughs> all a dream, so I can't complain too much. What do you think the key was uh, for you, Gino? Honestly, he was winning the primary. I think the numbers were going to the right. I think we recognized that, and I, uh, I think that we knew that the race was going to be decided in the primary, so that was it. And then, like we talked about last night, getting out there, getting my name out um, ahead of time, um, strong ground game, sending out the mail, getting in front of people, I think that all helped. Let me pose the same question I, I tossed out there to Mike. You're the winner now. You have to represent not only the people that supported you, but uh, the people who did not vote for you. So uh, how do you do that? How do you 
how do you reach out or, or what do you say to everybody in, in your district there, Gino? Well, I'm always open for a good faith conversations with anybody that might uh, might disagree with me or have a different opinion on some things. There's, I think that people will find that I'm pretty reasonable and I, uh, I'm not completely set in stone on certain things. And, of course, on the flip side of that, there are things that I believe that people aren't just going to agree with and, honestly, that they're just going to have to deal with the fact that our district, the majority of the population, wants things to be a certain way. So talk to me. My, my, my phone line's open Emails open. I always want to talk with everybody. All right. Hey, Gino, like I said, I'm tight on time. i got to squeeze in a break. Congratulations uh, on the win. I'm sure we'll talk again in the not-too-distant future. Sounds great, Dave. Call me anytime. Absolutely. Gino Shirelli there winning in the 78th District. Got to get in a break. We'll squeeze in some text before we go. Back in a moment. Join the conversation at 1-800-765-8255. This is the Talk of the Town. All right, let me get through some texts before we turn things over to uh, the GOAT here at 10.06. 304 Talk, 304. Dave, sad day with Barbara Evans' flush hour, no longer representing regular folks in Charleston. She's one of us. Evidently, Montague County knows Oliverio better than Marion. Sad face emoji. Look, we said that was going to be close. If Barbara had won that race by 162 votes, would not be shocked at all. Would not have been shocked at all. 304 Talk 304. Dave, I had no guidance from my church leaders on how to vote for the amendment for church incorporation, so I really didn't know how to vote for that amendment. Shoulder shrug emoji. I think there are a lot of people like that. That, to me, is the simplest explanation, and I tend to go with the simplest explanation, is a lot of people went to the polls there, were, there was confusion, there was mixed messaging, especially about Amendment 2. Amendment 3 was so innocuous, really. It was just clearing up old, antiquated language that's actually a holdover from the Virginia State Constitution. And I think it was a casualty of Amendment 2, to be honest. And again, that, that whole confusion... Didn't understand what it means. If you don't understand it, you vote no. 304 Talk 304. Dave, sales and income taxes can easily be adjusted for budget surpluses and give us tax breaks when the state can't afford it. 304 Talk 304. Dave, the reason the Republicans gained seats and the amendments failed is because West Virginians and the country as a whole are stupid. Amendment 3 needed to be passed and it failed. We are living in the land of the dumb says the texter. 304 Talk 304. Dave, I think these newly elected officials should launch an investigation into the fat-free yogurt. <laughs> well played. Well played. <laughs> well, it cost Dinkins. cost Dinkins the campaign. If you get it, you get it. 304 Talk 304. Dave, Republicans sweep the four amendments they wrote. Uh, Republicans sweep, but the four amendments they wrote got spanked. Republicans aren't trusted. Confusing. No, I, I, I don't think it's a trust issue. I, I think it is. I think it is a confusion issue. And the governor, that is as hard as I've seen the governor work during his two terms. He was passionate. 
He believed strongly that this was the wrong direction, and he put his full attention and resources to it. That made a difference. But I do believe there was confusion about what the amendment would do, how counties would be made whole, and when there's confusion, you vote no. Dave, did you see on Facebook when Tom Bloom declared flesh hour the winter before all the votes were counted in Marion County? No, I did not see that. Believe it or not, um, <laughs> I uh, Bloom News was not on my feed last night. It was not on my feed last night. Thanks for all the text. The phone calls follow the news today at WVMetroNews.com. Election results posted there as well. Talk to you tomorrow. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 